Hello and welcome to Dedicated Packers, the podcast we do cover the Green Bay Packers. And we don't cover anything else. Let's go. Right, hello and welcome back to Dedicated Packers. Today is Sunday, April 16th. We are just over a week out from the 2023 NFL Draft. And that means that today we're going to be doing our final prospect analysis episode. We're going to go through the top defensive prospects in this year's draft. We're going to discuss those guys because after that, it's... um. Well, it's going to be mostly talk of who the Packers actually did draft. We're going to, on Wednesday, I'm going to do a breakdown of sort of what the Packers offense should look like with Jordan Love at the helm. And then after that, on a week from today, uh, so that would be the 23rd, April 23rd, we're going to do a mock draft for the entire NFL just three days from then, so the 26th, I believe, we're going to do a Packers mock draft, and then it's draft season, baby. All of the all of the talk is going to finally come out and pay dividends. Hopefully, we'll see if the Packers draft, or any, really, of the players that we've talked about. My guess is that they'll draft maybe two, maybe, maybe one, maybe three. We'll see. They're not going to draft a lot, but... It's been a blast talking about it, so let's finish this episode off strong and finish our coverage of the top prospects in this upcoming draft. First, however, tiny bit of news. Aaron Rodgers, just some minor developments on the Aaron Rodgers trade front. It it has basically been reported, or it's at this point known, that when back in, I believe, the beginning of March, the Jets flew out to visit Aaron Rodgers, the Jets and Packers had a framework, sort of a deal, at least a structure set in place for how the trade was going to look. However, Aaron Rodgers went on the Pat McAfee show, said the thing that he was, you know, 90% that he was going to retire in the offseason. And Woody Johnson, the Jets owner, got scared, pulled out, said, nope, not for me. We're going to have to rework this trade. So that's a little bit strange. I'd wonder what Woody talked about uh, in terms of what Aaron Rodgers' retirement plans were. Maybe Rodgers told them, yeah, I'm going to play for the next two years, and then Woody was spooked by his comment. I don't know. When they went out to Malibu, it seems like Woody should have known, based on their conversation, that Aaron was relatively close to retirement. So, you know, that's the issue with having an owner like Woody Johnson. But we'll see how that all plays out. My guess is... The, the trade will come. If it doesn't come draft night, then we're going to have to wait a little bit of time for the trade to come. I would still probably guess it happens around the draft or right before the draft, but we'll see. It is true that deadlines spur action, and the Packers probably wanting picks in this upcoming year's draft will look to get something done. Now, with that all being said, let's jump into the top defensive prospects in this year's draft, the rules pretty similar to the rules for the offensive top offensive prospects. They have to be a fit for the Packers. That means their athletic testing has to be what the Packers are going to be looking for early on in the draft. That means high eights, 
probably in the nines in terms of RAS scores. It means their size is going to have to be adequate. It means they're going to have to be early round players in terms of their tape. Uh, they're not going to be, they're not currently projected to go in the fourth and fifth and sixth and even third round. We want guys that are early on because those are the most entertaining guys to talk about. And the last rule is that it can't be an edge prospect because we've talked endlessly about edges. If you want to go back and listen to my breakdown of really this entire edge rusher draft class, then you can go back a couple episodes that was maybe a week or two ago, but we're not going to be covering edge rushers in this discussion here. So with that being said, let's jump right into the defensive tackle spot. And the Packers defensive tackle room looks decent at the front. You have Kenny Clark, who's obviously a stud of all studs, a borderline all pro player. And then behind that, you have TJ Slayton, who had a decent year last year. He's still developing. And Devontae Wyatt, who's definitely still developing, played a little bit more as the year went on last year but is definitely in the developmental phase of his phase of his sort of growth. And we'll see how much I expect him to step into this year. I would probably guess that he's going to step into a much bigger role, and I'm excited to see what happens there. But after those three guys, after Kenny, Devontae, and Slayton, it's pretty bare bones, and that means that the Packers are probably going to be looking to add depth to that room. Now, my guess would be that they're going to add depth via free agency, signing cheap, cheap, cheap street free agents and and adding guys in the 7th, 6th, and 5th rounds. But potentially, they might come across a guy in the 1st or 2nd round that they really like. And that's what I'm going to be talking about here. I'm going to be talking about some of the early round names that you're going to want to keep an eye on because if one of these guys falls to the Packers, there's a chance that they end up taking these guys. So, first, Kalijah Cansey out of Pittsburgh. He had a very nice 9.60 RES score. He has elite speed, agility, and explosion, but he's a little bit undersized. And so you look at the testing numbers, in that way he totally matches the Packers thresholds. The size is a bit of a concern. You don't you generally don't see the Packers look for undersized guys, but maybe they, you know, throw that aside a bit considering his RES score is, is clearly where you want it to be. And really everything about Elijah Cansey is impressive. From a pass rush standpoint, he's really good, and that's not something you see a lot from interior guys, but he has a great first step, and then off of that, he has a couple of really good pass rush moves. He can get by someone with the swim move, and just in general, he really has an idea. He has a plan of how he's going to attack a guard or a center, and he can do that. Sometimes you can even put him on the edge, and he can win a pass set on the edge. From a run defense standpoint, Cansey holds up pretty well just because of his understanding of leverage and how to use his strength in the in a way to, to ensure that his size is not a major factor. That being said, it is a little bit hard to project how good he's going to be against a run in the NFL because he lacks that size, and that means it's going to be interesting to see how, how his understanding of leverage can protect him from getting mauled because he's definitely an undersized defensive tackle. Now, Cansey is definitely more of this undersized, really quick prospect, and that makes him an interesting guy to pair with Kenny Clark, because you have Kenny as this big, monstrous physical presence, and if you put Kenny Clark next to Kalijah Cansey, 
my goodness, there is really nothing that that duo could not do. Then, the second defensive tackle, another top prospect, Brian Brisey or Brian Brise out of Clemson, a 9.61 RES score, so another freakish athlete. And he has he has decent size, not as undersized as Cansey, but he has similar elite agility, incredible speed. And when you're talking about high end, you know, ceiling, ceiling, what is his what's the best that he could be? He could be a Hall of Famer because he has the best flashes of any player in college football. He can play with power. He has the power to stuff run gaps and over overtake centers and tackles. He has the speed and agility to beat guards through swim moves, whatever sort of pass rush move you're looking for. And as a result, you have to be super excited about what this guy can do. That being said, he's projected to go in the second round. And you think, why is that? Why is this guy, you know, it's top of the second round, pick 33, 34. But why is this guy who has Hall of Fame ceiling projected to go so low? And it's because he is ludicrously inconsistent this is a guy that if he could put a stretch of just incredible games together this dude would be a menace but the his inability to ever seem to harness his power for more than a couple of games really stands out even from play to play he varies it's it's just it's super hard to justify picking this guy at pick 15 because of that low, low, low floor. But, man, if he starts falling and if he gets to the second round, the Packers have to think about trading up for Brzee out of Clemson because this dude, as I said, he has a Hall of Fame-type ceiling. We're just going to have to see if the Packers can help him harness that. Then, Mazzy Smith out of Michigan, a 9.99 unofficial RAS score, I mean, that's ridiculous. He's literally one of the best athletes ever to come out of the defensive tackle spot, and you can see his athleticism 100%. He has both agility and power. He can just overtake guards with strength, or he can slide right past them. He can get under their pads and drive them backwards, or he can shiftily sort of just squeeze right through them. It's really impressive how how multifaceted he is and I think his athleticism plays a large part in that that being said he has some room to grow in terms of developing into a better pass rusher you see a lot more of his athleticism on display against the run against the past you'd like to see him get better at using and fulfilling his athletic potential but still with that crazy athleticism, the big size, he has a he has a high floor because it's hard to imagine a guy that big and that powerful not being at least just a decent rotational piece that's good against the run. So Mozzie Smith, he's a he's a guy that might not have the highest of high ceilings, but he he could definitely be a top end interior rusher in this league. And his floor is also pretty high. So Mazzy Smith's definitely a guy that I'd be interested in the Packers taking a shot on. And then finally, Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin, an 8.86 RAS score. He has decent height, decent weight. So, you know, nothing too crazy there from a size standpoint, but an incredible three cone. I mean, this guy, 
with the way the Packers value athleticism, it'd be very interesting to see how the Packers value this guy because he has incredible agility in the three cone drill. And you can see his his physicality um, in his rush. He can stand firm against the run or he can just toss guards out of the way. He definitely needs to improve some things with his technique. Sometimes he play with plays with poor pad level. And at the NFL level, that's going to be tough for him to do and have success with. So that's something that he's going to need to get better at. But for now, we'll see sort of where he's valued by the Packers. It's just a guy to keep an eye on. He's going to rely a lot on physicality, but he's a physical prospect, good agility. And the Packers might like that 8.86 RES score. Think he's worth taking a shot on if he falls into the second round. Then the sort of second position group, middle linebackers. And yeah, I know, Green Bay already has Devondre Campbell. They have Quay Walker. So you don't really need a linebacker. It's not a position where you're thinking, oh my God, if the Packers don't draft a middle linebacker, we're screwed. No, I mean, you're okay with sort of whatever happens at the middle linebacker spot at this point in terms of additions because you feel like you have those top two guys in Devondre and Quay. But you could make a, a financial argument that it would benefit the Packers to cut Devondre in a year or two. And with a couple, at least one, really top-tier middle linebacker prospects in, in this year's class, I don't think it would be totally shocking for the Packers to, if one of these guys were to fall, perhaps trade up into the first round and grab one of them. And the first guy is Jack Campbell out of Pittsburgh, and he is the definition of a freakish athlete, a 9.98 RAS score. And as you would probably expect with an RAS score like that, he is elite in all athletic categories, size, weight, agility, speed, doesn't matter. He does everything athletically. And you can see some of that athleticism on tape. He's physically really big and strong, and that helps him in the run game where he can come up, stuff gaps, and then even in the pass game, he's pretty good. Yeah, he's he's decent in coverage. He may struggle more with better composition competition as the running backs get better, as the wide receivers that he's covering get better, as especially as the tight ends get better. But if you don't want to put him in coverage, you can stick him on the edge, and he can win off the edge. He does lack technique. That's something that could be developed, but he has the athleticism to get around the edge and and beat some of the better tackles in college football. And that all makes him this super, super exciting prospect because while you have Quay as this better coverage linebacker, super fast guy that can fly around and make tackles in the open field, Jack Campbell could, yeah, he can cover, he can come off the edge, but he's also this really solid presence in the middle, six foot five, comes up and stuff gaps in the run game, and that is just phenomenally helpful from a run defense standpoint, and we know that the Packers need help from a run defense standpoint. So Jack Campbell out of Pittsburgh, he's, he's a guy that I wouldn't be angry if the Packers decided to put some assets into. Another guy, Trenton Simpson out of Clemson, a 9.83 RES score, and he has elite speed, and you can see that speed on tape. He flies, I mean flies downhill on blitzes and makes tough, hard, physical contact. He can also win off the edge using his speed, and that is sort of, those two parts of his, his game are really apparent. His ability on blitzes, his ability to win off the edge, 
and that's exciting, but that's not exactly what you want in a middle linebacker. So how does he do against the run and, and in the pass coverage game? The reality is he struggles a little bit. He struggles to diagnose run gaps quickly enough to fit them, and he can struggle in coverage. It almost seems like he's thinking a bit too much. And that reminds me of Quay because he has the traits with the speed, that blitz ability, but sometimes he's just a little bit hesitant when it comes to fitting run gaps. And I'd hope to see if the Packers were to draft him, I'd hope to see him get better. And as the year goes on and hopefully he gets a couple of snaps, maybe he stops thinking a little bit and he just comes up and starts making plays because with his upside, he could be really, really, really good. Then the third middle linebacker I'm going to talk about, Noah Sewell. He has a 9.09 RES, and his strength is undeniable. I mean, he is capable of just overpowering blockers in the run game and then disengaging to make tackles, which is really impressive and is something that the Packers could definitely use in the run game because they don't have those sort of big, massive guys at the middle linebacker spot. That being said, Noah Sewell kind of drops off as he gets further away from the ball. He doesn't have the instincts to initially make good reads and and penetrate gaps and then he struggles in coverage he doesn't have the athleticism to be great in the open field so this is a guy that maybe you'd consider not putting a huge amount of stock into because yeah he's good and he's strong but he, he might not have that top tier coverage ability and he's not quite there mentally but we'll see again it all depends on where these guys fall to At the cornerback spot, this gets really interesting because the Packers, they love their early round cornerbacks. Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, Josh Jackson, Kevin King, the list goes on. And the Packers, yeah, sure, they have a lot of depth at the cornerback spot, but it never hurts to invest in that position because you really can't ever have too many good quarterbacks. And with Rasul Douglas under contract for two more years, Stokes suffering that that ankle injury, it just becomes very, very much a possibility that if someone is there that the Packers like, if they think there's a cornerback that's by far the best player on their board, they're going to have to take him. And we're going to start off with a guy that if he's there at 15, he's probably going to be the best person on the Packers board. Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon. My goodness, this dude, a 9.95 RAS score, great weight, great height, and extremely physical and that's great. That's what you want in a in a Packers team that maybe struggled with tackling a little bit. You now have a big, strong corner that's good at tackling. But even better, that physicality and that big, strong body doesn't limit his fluidity. I mean, he plays with such fluid hips, and you can see that through his coverage tape. He blankets receivers in zone, blankets them even more in man, and sure, Sometimes he has some spotty technique issues. He doesn't play with the best anticipation. He can't always get his head around and, you know, make plays on the football. But, dude, when you are so, so good that you can just cover receivers, no one cares whether or not you can make plays on the ball. Yeah, sure. Would you like him to be able to get his head around and make plays? Yeah, you absolutely would. But he is, how old is he? I think he's 20, 21, or 20, so he's really young, 
And with time, anticipation is going to come. You have to be so excited about Christian Gonzalez because he's a physical freak. He has all of the potential in the world. And people have said that he's basically a more physical Jair Alexander. Imagine that. Imagine a Jair Alexander that covers the way Jair does, but then you get him blowing up people in the run game. Christian Gonzalez is the guy that I want, and I think a lot of people want. Another cornerback that's probably going to be gone at 15, but we'll see, Devon Witherspoon out of Illinois. He had an incomplete RES score, but he's definitely a lighter prospect, 181 pounds, 5'11 and a half, so not a standout athlete, but mentally, he is all there. He can read quarterbacks in zone really well. He's really good at diagnosing routes and and he has good technique in coverage, whether it's batting balls away or any of the other areas that you look for in a cornerback. And what's even better and what gets me really excited is his nasty attitude. I mean, he's a disgusting trash talker. He just comes with that nasty in him and he plays so physical. He blows people up. He looks like he's trying to hurt whoever he's tackling. And yeah, sure. He struggles with speed. He relies a lot on his technique and his intelligence because he doesn't have the top-tier athleticism and fluidity of someone like Christian Gonzalez, for example, and that might mean that he's never going to be a top-end corner, but he would be a great number two for the Packers, and with them loving to play zone coverage, I would just enjoy seeing him sit back. Maybe he's sitting in, in you know, a flat, but the, the other team checks it down to a running back, and Witherspoon would come up and flat-out level that back. Another top-tier cornerback. This guy's probably going to go in the 10-20 to 20 pick range. Joey Porter Jr., a 9.71 RES score, and he has good height, good weight, good speed, good explosion, and his dad is Joey Porter, obviously a total alpha back when he played, and his son, Joey Porter Jr., is very physical. He can reroute wide receivers. He's great at high-pointing balls and batting them away, and he just... he as you would probably expect from someone whose father is an ex-NFL player, he really understands how to play cornerback. He understands the game. Now, that being said, like Witherspoon, he's not super agile. He struggles to change direction, and that can hurt him in terms of playing in the slot for sure. And just in general, it can hurt him in man coverage, blanketing receivers. He relies more on his physicality than you might like, but definitely uh, a guy that you have to consider looking at. If he's there at 15, I don't I don't think the Packers take him because he doesn't have that agility that they love, but we'll see. Another guy, Deontay Banks out of Maryland, a 9.99 RES score, literally one of the best athletes ever at the cornerback spot, and he's good in zone and man, but it has been noted by many that while he can blanket the receiver, once that ball goes up, he gets freaked out. I don't know what it is, but he does not stay calm. He can panic. You see that panic in him, and it's led to a, a lot of penalties. So with his athleticism, he absolutely has the ceiling of being an elite cornerback, but he's he's going to need to refine his technique and figure out ways of not committing so many penalties and just sort of staying calm and batting the ball away when it's in the air. And then the fifth corner we're going to discuss, Kile Ringo out of Georgia, an 8.3 RES score, so not as good as the other guys, but he has elite speed, 4.36, and good size, good length. And that is all very interesting because 
you can see on tape how much he relies on his speed and his length. He can move fluidly in man coverage, and even if he gets beat, he can recover and get back. But just like Deontay Banks, he struggled with penalties, and a lot of that came because he was panicked when the ball was in the air. He sort of freaked out, just like Banks, and had some penalty issues. So if the Packers take Ringo, it'll be interesting to see what they do because he's not the most agile prospect, but you could see him playing outside, being good, being physical on the edge, and because of his speed, because of his physicality, it does remind me of Eric Stokes. I would guess Ringo is probably going to be a little bit more involved in the run game. Then the safety position, I'm not going to lie to you guys, the Packers need safeties, but that's probably not going to be something that they address early in the draft. However, I'm just going to name two guys quickly here for you that maybe, maybe, maybe the Packers look at in the second or third round. The first one, Sidney Brown of Illinois. He has a 9.24 RES score, but he's an undersized guy. He's more of a Darnell Savage type in terms of he's much better when he's closer to the ball. He can set the edge against the run. He can find gaps in the run game. But as you move him further back, he becomes less consistent as a tackler, and he struggles in coverage. So probably not what the Packers are looking for. But with his 9.24 RES score, he's kind of an athletic fit. He is a little bit undersized. And then Jordan Howden, an 8.80 RES score, but also undersized. He's just, he's super smart on the back end. He's really good at reading the quarterback, good at reading plays in the run game and knowing when to attack, but also not to overcommit and get himself into a situation he can't get out of. That being said, as you move him further back, he doesn't look super fluid in coverage. He begins to struggle in the open field, taking down receivers. So that's all going to be something that the Packers are going to have to look at. And that is pretty much what I have for you. The Packers, we'll see what they do. There's plenty of defensive guys for them to look at, and obviously they've sort of enjoyed taking defensive players in the first round for a long time now, so we'll see how that all goes. But that's pretty much all that I have for you today. As always, thank you very much for listening to Dedicated Packers. I will be back on Wednesday talking about the Packers offense with Jordan Love. But until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go! Go!